With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for downloading the Manchester Football Social Podcast. I'm Alex Boardman. Today's was a good show, wasn't it, Ant McGinley? I've had a really good day. Almost as good as the day that Pep Guardiola learnt my name. Well, he didn't learn it, did he? I think he was disgusted. We'll come to that towards the end of the show, don't we? Where you somehow snuck your way into a press conference and got to speak to Guardiola. We talk about United's abysmal performance against Everton. Slight preview as to the derby coming up. Not really to say too much about that, do we? Yeah, well, I, I think that was more because you would have got more upset because you're, not, you're not hopeful. You're not I've hopeful. been angry all day today, all week. It's ruined my weekend. Tell you what, like, let's take you for a cup of tea and a massage and then... Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> do that. Oh, also, we speak to George um, from Kick It Out. Yeah, and what we'll do is we'll do, we put a little bit in the show and then we'll put the full length of it on the end so you can hear it right at the end. Yeah, enjoy the show. It's a good one. Manchester Football Social. Yes, indeed. This is the Manchester Football Social, the place for you to share your opinions with myself, Ant McGinley, Man City fan, and Alex Boardman over here representing the red side of Manchester. Yes, quite an odd weekend for Manchester football, because <laughs> uh, it seems like United have gone into some sort of time machine and gone back about three months. They got absolutely destroyed by Everton yesterday, 4-0. Uh, City, however, got some sort of revenge Come on. by beating Tottenham 1-0. Yeah, so, and, and- well, it's not it's not enough. I would no, rather be no. in a European Cup yeah. semi-final. But City got some revenge, beat Tottenham 1-0. Liverpool, though, are top of the league by two points. City do have a game in hand. Yeah. Wonder what game that could be. Uh, if you've got any thought on that particular game or anything that happened over the weekend, you can get in touch with us. 0345-111-7625. Or you can uh, get us on social media at Twitter, at MCRFootySocial. Or you can text us on 87711. I've got to do personally just a big shout out. I was at the Etihad on Saturday with Niall sat next to him throughout the whole game. And Phil Foden, five minutes into the game, scoring that header, beautifully set up by Aguero. He has now scored. All that stuff you've given us throughout the season saying, yeah, well, he doesn't get any games. He plays rubbish games, whatever. Phil Foden has now scored, and I believe he's the youngest player to score in the Champions League, the Premier League, the FA Cup and the EFL Cup 
all in the same season. Wow. And the, the game against Tottenham in the Premier League, that's like the first actual opponents he scored against, isn't it? As opposed to, <laughs> let's say, Burton Albion or who was the other one? Yeah. Dukla Prague B-team or whoever it was they played. Yeah, well, at least they're not a proper team like Everton. Shall we start Everton, there? All right, Everton have won the league. Shall we start there then with the Everton game? We can. It was um, it was abysmal. Do you know what I did before? I've been running out of adjectives. So I actually went on an online thesaurus to, <laughs> to try and find out words to describe uh, so this, these are synonyms of terrible, appalling, right, okay. atrocious, awful, dreadful, frightful, ghastly, grisly, gruesome, hideous, horrendous, horrible, horrid, horrific, horrifying, lurid, lurid macabre. You know what this reminds me of? All of those described. This reminds me of, you know, earlier in the season when you did that Lukaku-style rap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like the edge. It's just so... Uh, it was so terrible yesterday watching it. It felt exactly... The worst defeat I've seen in a long time was Brighton away at the beginning of the season. It was utterly clueless. I'm not sure that yesterday wasn't worse. And especially when they, those players really needed a performance. Still playing for top four. Yeah. Top four's wide open. Arsenal got beat yesterday. Tottenham got beat. They knew that going in. Mm -hmm. They'd been really poor in Barcelona, I thought. Really, really poor. And it was time to... Just put a bit of a shift in and turn things around and show a bit of pride. And instead, um, it was just feckless and lazy and gutless. It was it was everything the Liverpool game was, which was the game Mourinho got sacked. And the, the worst thing I'm thinking for you watching this game, you would have because you didn't go to it, did you? you? No, no, I watched it on telly. So you were inside on what was a beautiful. Bank holiday Sunday. That was fine. It was a Sunday, so that <laughs> so that means I've got a hangover if it's about half one. <laughs> I wouldn't have been outside in the sun anyway. But just can imagine because I was outside and I was just checking the score on my phone and I couldn't believe it was happening. I was so glad I wasn't stuck indoors watching it because it sounded like awful. So forget it was what appalling. It, what, what forget what it used to be like. Forget what it was early in the season. Just let's focus first of all on the game. What went wrong? Ever, Everton have been all over this season. Everything went wrong. Well, Everton have been, as we know, they said before the game, Everton have been okay at home against Arsenal. They beat Arsenal and Arsenal didn't score. They beat Chelsea and Chelsea didn't yeah. score. So by no means was it going to be... But a what, what's interesting for me is somebody tweeted about this and they said, uh, whenever they've won, they beat Arsenal, they beat Chelsea, they beat United. And they said, Arsenal were awful, Chelsea were awful, United were awful. Maybe it was just that Everton were really good. Well, I saw Everton, Arsenal, and Everton were really good in that game. Yeah. And Arsenal were not... Vintage Arsenal didn't look up for a fight. United at no point yesterday. I can't think of any of those players that were that looked a hundred percent up for it. Um, the forward, the forwards were awful. <laughs> the midfield was terrible. Matic, Do you want that list again? Matic, <laughs> had, he, he's trying to think. He, I think the um, there was a thing in the Manchester Evening News, like online. I don't know if it was a joke. They'd given all the players a rating out of ten. Uh, Matic got zero. <laughs> and, and Martial got zero. And to be fair to Martial, I think they were actually generous. I'd have given him like minus one or minus two. All the rest got one. Now, the only one I would dispute that, I didn't think Lindelof was terrible. Because Lindelof played out of position and then Lindelof, when he swatted in. Phil Jones, as per usual, got injured. Um, De Gea made another mistake and it's something we've been saying for a few weeks now. I think De Gea could have been and possibly should have been rested for that game because he's made a few high profile mistakes and then there's all the rumours is his contract talks bothering him is he going to be going to Barcelona is he going to be going to Real Madrid um, but he's had a massive dip in form and it's not like we've got a rubbish 
reserve goalie. We've got a really, really solid, really decent goalie. De Gea's distribution is, has been really poor lately, but then all you need to do is look at like the amount of times United would take a throw-in, and it was the same under Van Hal, and it was the same under Mourinho, and a throw-in's taken five or ten seconds to throw in because no one's moving, no one's available, no one wants the ball. I, I'm just looking, because I'd not seen this before, so I've just looked it up, the, the Manchester Evening News, exactly what you said. The first team, as they started, uh, Samuel Lockhurst who's done this, uh, the first team are less than 10 points combined. Yeah, so there's yeah. nine for that field of players. And the poor fellow watching the game has obviously felt so bad that by the time it's come to the subs, he's got like, the subs between them have scored more than the players yeah, that started. Probably. And then the, the very last one, Andres Pereira, a pointless substitution. He's obviously just lost the will to live. So yeah. that's that's how you saw it. We're interested on uh, how everybody else saw it as well. So if you want to get in touch, uh, you know what to do. You just give us a call. Uh, 0345 I think Jamie's on line one. Hello, Jamie. Hi, uh, are you okay? Yeah, well, I think I'm a little bit better than you. <laughs> but the sound in your voice, you, you yeah. need to sit down and have a cup of tea. Oh, I'm still licking my wounds from yesterday, mate. I uh, keep having flashbacks when we've got to have PTSD of Morgan Scheidlin dominating the United game and then Everton shit. <laughs> he actually had Pogba, not even in his pocket. He, like, he had him in a backpack. Oh, and he was just carrying Who was Terrible. the worst United player for you, Jamie, yesterday? Who was the absolute worst? Because they were all bad. Uh, yeah, probably, I'd say Martial from... Personally, yeah, me too. You know, it's a close call. A lot of them is um, just no effort at all, was there? No urgency, didn't care. Um, but a, a lot of criticism Young has got, right? You know, I mean, uh, he's not good enough, obviously, but he does always grasp when yeah. he plays. And I think some of the criticism that's turning that's filtered into abuse really has been a bit over the top for him personally where a lot of individual players have escaped criticism Marshall with United with a lot of United fans is living off a goal he scored five years ago yeah and his, yeah, his debut it's, it's, it, you know he's not he's, he drops one good game in ten and escapes criticism all the time absolutely ghost in that game when he's Often when he doesn't play well, he's, he's non-existent. Yeah, he's not an attacking threat. He doesn't have he doesn't add anything to the game when he's not when he's not on when he's not on song, which isn't often enough. There's a there's a moment in the game and it's the third goal, the Dinier goal from outside the box, and the ball drops to him. He's got so much time, and Martial's the one who's supposed to be closing him down, and he's near enough because Martial's quick. But even if he wasn't as quick as Martial could be. Martial is close enough to get there. Martial doesn't get within about four yards of him. And before he gets to where the ball's going to be, he jumps and turns his back. So he does absolutely every single thing that you're taught yeah. from the age of about six not to do. Um, and it was, but they were all like that. They were always bad. They were all yeah. awful. Paul Pogba, he's got enough talent to be one of the best midfielders in the league. Arguably the most talented if you're just talking about raw football ability. But he's not shown it. He should be taking games like that by the scuff of the neck, yep. showing leadership and maturity. And he only performs well with France because he's got the likes of Kante and with him. And when he's at Juventus, he had Vidal, Perlo, Marquisio. So they can free him up, if you like. But when when it comes to... He should be our talisman, grabbing games by the scuff of the neck, being uh, like a Robson or a Keane or... 
when Gerard was at Liverpool and he was surrounded by when Gerard was surrounded by bad players at Liverpool, he was dragging them, forcing them into results. That's what Pogba should be doing. Fulham should be dominating some of these midfields. Um, Morgan Seidlin is United rejects. So is completely irrelevant in our history, really, because he didn't just done nothing transfer. Idris again, again, a decent player, but they had the had rings around him, mm. him and Matic. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I, I'm just just curious. Are you surprised? That's a that's a worrying thing. We had the balance factor, so I was a bit blinded by the lights. But um, the, the, this performance yesterday was a crescendo of some dodgy performances, where we just kind of telling ourselves right, we weren't good against Wolves. Wolves are a decent team. We weren't good against Arsenal, but Arsenal were a good team at home. Barcelona thought he was really poor and he got swept under the carpet because it's Barcelona. This has just been this has been bubbling and simmering uh, a, a complete battering uh, for a while now. Um, so it didn't surprise me too much. I, I said to me, mate, I think it'd be three 0 to Everton today. So I was even being optimistic in my pessimism. But did, did, did the scoreline bother you that much? Because like from the outside looking at it, like if you just lost one 0 to that Richarlison overhead kick, which is a great goal, you could kind of yeah. go well. But was it the scoreline or the performance? Oh, it's the performance. It was just abject, absolute abject. There was just no sprinting to the ball. I think there was a stat where they ran five miles more than us. 4K by half-time. Everton yeah. had outrun United 4K by half-time. Yeah. And if you consider how much they had of the ball... <laughs> yeah. We should have missed... Yeah, exactly. No, it, it was a complete and utter embarrassment. Abject performance. No leadership. No one taking responsibility. Um, none of them can hang their heads high. And I think City's a... Might be... Um, a perfect opportunity for him to, to show it right because it's a massive game. But who, this is the next question I was going to ask you. Who who plays from that? Who Nobody deserves to keep the place, surely. I know. I know. They don't deserve it, but it's lack of options, isn't it, really? I think McTominay's got a start. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a, he's a decent player, don't get me wrong, decent youngster, but that's the state of the club is in now where Scott McTominay's going to to be a key player he's probably the best player over two legs against Barcelona yeah easily so, yeah. so he's growing in maturity and, and stuff so I think he's going to be first name on the team sheet which is a, a worrying <laughs> at, at this rate looking at the stats that the Manchester Evening News gave he might be the only guy on the team yeah. sheet uh, Jamie thanks very much for the call cheers Paul no worries uh, so it's a big decision for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ahead of the derby yeah uh, and after the game he actually came out and apologised. And I don't remember a Premier League manager apologising for their team's performance. But Oli did yesterday. This is what he had to say. And then afterwards, a little bit of reaction from Gary Neville, which was very, very heated. Just want to apologise to the fans. They were the only only people with a badge on today that could say, can hold their head up high and um, say that they were Man United because we weren't. They were better than us than at everything. All the basics, uh, we concede long throw-ins. We know we just stick our head in there. Second goal, a corner kick. There's so many things that we need to um, do better today to get a result because uh, talent has never, ever been enough. Uh, I'm furious, to be honest with you. The fact that he's had to go over and apologise for them. I've often said that 
clubs over the last seven years. If you've got weeds in the garden, you've got to get rid of them. But there's some Japanese knotweed at that football club. And it's attacking the foundations of the house and needs dealing with properly. A few weeks ago, I said that Jose Mourinho, the fans stuck with him, but wanted him out at the end. They ain't going to want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer out. They're not going to turn Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Those players now, well and truly, their heads are on the line. I watched Manchester City yesterday, who Manchester United are trying to get to in terms of the top of the football, uh, top of the Premier League in Liverpool. Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, far better players than are in that Manchester United dressing room who work twice as hard. Everton run four kilometres further in the first half. Everton. And then you watch this mob out here, Liverpool, who are the biggest rivals. They die for every single inch on the pitch. And Manchester United players, honestly, it's embarrassing just watching some of those out there today. I'm absolutely furious. Full belief in Ola to do what he needs to do. The club obviously will support him, but it's a big problem. And I have to say that performance today was rancid. Now, I don't know how you feel as a United fan, but as a City fan hearing that, that shocked me to the core, not least because my friend bought a house with a Japanese knotweed yeah. and there's no end of problems. You just can't get rid of it. No, you can't. No, it's illegal if you've got it in your garden. You yeah. have to phone the council and they come and try and remove it. <laughs> so is that what they need to do? Can you come and get rid of Paul Pogba, Yeah, please? and Martial and Lukaku and Now, now here's the thing. So, so afterwards on that, when he said that bit, they grilled him and they said, which players is it that you're talking about? And it was almost as if he was looting to about five different players. Yeah that need to go. So the question is, who are those players? From Gary Neville's point of view, yeah. I'm, I'm only guessing, of course. I think he's Gary Neville has long been a critic of Martial and his work rate, and I agree with him 100%, because every time I see him live, he's really frustrating. So he's one. I think Lukaku is definitely another one. Yeah. I think... Pogba, he was praising before the game and he'd said like, oh look, he's a good lad and you've got to assume that Gary Neville still knows all the staff at Old Trafford. He's in contact with the players. He'll still bump into him and be interviewing him. I think Pogba's probably, and he was praising Pogba before the game. I think Pogba's probably another one. Uh, I think after yesterday, Matic could be another one he's talking about. I'm not sure if he isn't talking about Fred. Right. Um, possibly Jesse Lingard, possibly, because it's curious that Jesse Lingard was on the bench and didn't even start. Um, and then I think there's two categories of players at Old Trafford. I think you've got your Phil Joneses and your Smallings and your Aswee Youngs, who for whatever reason, Aswee Young age, Smalling, Jones, possibly just never quite developed into the players six years ago they looked like they might turn into. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not good enough, but they're trying. And that should... You know, when things were going well, you're going, oh, we're never going to win a league with Jones and Smalling and stuff. And now the the technically gifted players are putting zero effort in and you're going, well, the minimum level is to work as hard as Phil Jones and work as hard as Smalling. And they're not even doing that. Is that possibly the difference between United and City? Because Jose and Pep came in at the same time and Pep got rid of a lot of big players, got rid of Zabaleta Hart, which was very controversial at the time as well. It was just like, it doesn't fit my system. Sanya got rid of as well. Others, they're not fast enough. They just not got the legs to be able to do what I want to do and got rid of them. Whereas United seem to have like, not just kept them on, but offered them new contracts. Now, having mentioned Mourinho, United spent a lot of money to end his contract and get rid of him. 17, 20 million for the full staff. 17 to Jose, 20 in total. So, do you think they would... They're obviously, they're not afraid of like spending a bit of money and losing a bit of money on a deal, but do they have the... Do they need to make a tough call and actually go, 
goodbye to all those players you just mentioned? Well, who's going to buy a lot of them? Pogba's reportedly, Niall was saying earlier, Pogba's on £400,000 a week and even Real Madrid have supposedly this week said, we can't pay that because if we pay you that, we've then got to pay everyone else uh, on a par with you and we just can't afford to just smash Just cancel his contract like you did with Jose. Yeah, and pay him off. Yeah, that's yeah. what they did with Jose. Yeah, could do. And then he leaves as a free agent. It, I think they look at it as a business, more of a business, and they look at things as assets. But then, the, but then the problem is, is as a business at the minute, you've gone from like disaster to like hope to facing the prospect of not even qualifying for the Europa League as well, potentially. You know? Yeah, I don't really... think that would be a terrible thing. I don't think the clubs, I don't think those players deserve it. I don't think they can afford the distractions of the extra games. Um, wow. But I, I just don't know what the when. Mourinho was there, everyone said there's three problems at the club. There's the Glazers and Woodward, that's one problem. The players, Downing Tools and he's lost the dressing room, that's problem number two. And problem number three is Mourinho. And his bad attitude and his bad relationship with the press and he's created this toxic atmosphere. So they get rid of Mourinho, Solskjaer comes in. So now you should only have two problems. Solskjaer comes in, he's a ray of sunshine. Uh, everything's great for 15, 16 games. And it all started to go wrong, coincident, with a nil-nil at Liverpool, with Liverpool at home. Herrera went off injured. He's not played since. Yeah. Uh, and in the and interim... he's probably not going to stay at the club either. No, he's signed a pre-contract agreement with PSG, so he's not gone. So that looks like a business decision not to keep him. Unless Solskjaer's gone, I don't actually want, want him. I've been promised a ton of money and I'm getting a better midfielder than that. Matter looks like he's going. He's not really featured that much under Solskjaer. He got rid of Fellaini. Solskjaer got rid of Fellaini straight away. And... He was banking on the, the... He had a first sort of 11 or 12 players, Lukaku coming off the bench and playing quite well, scoring, getting a bit of his confidence back. Since that Liverpool game, he's not ever really been able to play those 11 again. Lingard's looked injured for the last five or six games, so's Rashford, and it's just not worked. But on top of all that, he knows yesterday, to go and have to apologise to the fans, which I think is, is brilliant and the right thing to do. He said a really telling thing at the end of the press conference, and he, he said... I am going to be successful at this club. Some of these players will not be here with me. And the way it is, if he lasts another six months and he gets another few performances like that, they'll just he'll be sacked and he'll be paid off £10 million or whatever. So he knows it's now, can you rely on Pogba? Can you rely on Martial? Can you rely on Lukaku to at least work? And the answer's no. I'd be interested to see what anybody else listening thinks about that. If you you want to share with us the players that you think United should be looking to move on, uh, I'd give you the text number, but I have a feeling you wouldn't fit them all in. So uh, do it at MCR Footy Social or give us a call 0345 uh, 7625. And coming up, we are going to be talking about Man City against Tottenham, the third leg of the trilogy that took place on Saturday. And also we're going to be speaking to George from Kick It Out. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. It's been an absolutely glorious weekend across Manchester weather-wise. Uh, Good Friday to Bank Holiday Monday. Four days of sunshine and whatever you've been doing. You might have been watching some football. And for some of you, the football was glorious. Uh, probably if you share my taste and you're a blue. I'm at McGinley. This is Alex Boardman, who's a red and is a bit miserable. Yeah, I am, because United were appalling yesterday. Lost 4-0 to Everton. The old joke, he's going, oh, I was lucky to get nil. And I never used to laugh at that when I was a kid and we'd been beaten. And I, I can't even see any humour in it now either. City beat Tottenham 1-0. Liverpool at top of the league by two points. 
City's game in hand, I believe, is going to be played this Wednesday. I wonder if that could be against. Yeah, some little uh, lower division team, I think. Uh, they, they, they were playing Burton and Albion not so long ago, so we probably stick seven or eight past them. So. Bounce back ability. It's going to be. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be revenge. Is going to be sweet and horrific at the same time because <laughs> we'll beat you one nil and uh, yeah. Liverpool will go on and win the league and we'll have no one to blame but ourselves. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I was in a similar position like the very first season out at City uh, play at Main Road, and it was the last season of the first division before we went to the Premier League, and we played Leeds about five games from the end. And we beat them 4-0. And I was going, this is amazing. Leeds are running away. This is brilliant. We're like totally the best team in all the world and the land, like the song says. And then suddenly realised, oh, hang on. We've given it over to United. And so I had that first real experience of being a City fan. We were 4-0 up in a game. There's still 10 minutes to go. And the whole crowd suddenly gets miserable and depressed because we've handed it over to United. But I think we then drew with you midweek. And uh, Leeds were able to hold on and win it. Could have been. That would have been 91-2 yeah, season, yeah. I think. I was just a baby. Leeds won it, didn't they, that year? They were good. They, they had a certain Mr. Cantona played for him. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. happened to him, I yeah, wonder. Yeah, he was only worth a million quid, though, wasn't he? Uh, so, let's talk about City, then, because uh, I went on uh, Saturday, and Niall came and sat next to me as well. We went to see um, City take on Spurs, and it was a hell of a game to go to because, of course... All everybody's been talking about last week was that game midweek, the Champions League game, the controversy that came around it. It was just a very exciting uh, game to watch any, anyway. No even controversy, for the really. No controversy. In of the cold light of day, no controversy. Two correct decisions. Hmm. I, um, so that's, the, that's not controversial. There's anyway. a question, there is a question mark over one of them. Anyway, nope. anyway. So... We were a bit concerned about what it would be like. And as soon as we saw the team sheet, I thought that is that is a really good move. Having Phil Foden start the game would give a real lift. Because you know what it's like, it's like with Rashford. It's like having that local lad yeah, come, yeah. And come, the, come for the team. Also probably a good time to do it because it freshens the team up first. Also yep. Tottenham are without probably four or five of their starters. Yeah, and they they, um, they, they gave Larissa a rest as well. Oh, so, did he not yeah, play? Yeah, no, he didn't really no. play Gazaniga. And so, and and almost like before we'd even settled down, um, Aguero nods the ball across and Foden nods in. Whoa, which whoa. Was, hold on a second. Well, okay, I, 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 hold I'm, on a second. I'm glossing over, I'm glossing over John <laughs> yeah. Stone's pass. Uh, I think, which, yeah. which after, you'd think after Wednesday night, right, so the danger man for Tottenham, who has been all season and possibly last season as well, in my opinion, is awesome. Is Son Heung Min, awesome. right? Awesome. Completely, really good. And so after Wednesday night and the damage that he caused to us, because effectively he, he put us out of the tie. Yeah, and I think Mora was good as well. Yeah. I, thought, I thought they were all good. Everton, uh, Everton were good Spurs, as well. Yeah. I thought Tottenham were really good yeah. midweek. So you'd think that if nothing else they've gone, is they've just sat down and go, right, lads, here's a plan. This is how we're going to get through it. We just make sure we do not give the ball to Son. We do not let him get anywhere near it. <laughs> With his third touch of the ball, John Stones goes, all right, all right, Son, how are you doing? There you go. Bang. And he's through on goal. Do you know what? I think Pochettino said it after the game in his post-match press conference. He said the reason he rested some of his players was just purely because the last seven days have been so mentally exhausting mm. for every member of the Spurs and Manchester City squad. And I think Pep said to his players, you know, this is the Premier League in this game. If Manchester City didn't win that game against Tottenham, even if it was a draw, you knew that Liverpool were going to go and beat Cardiff. That was pretty much a nailed-on result. Mm. So I think Pep was kind of saying to his players, 
you've got to go out and, and do the business here because otherwise your season could turn from being outstanding and a possible quadruple to within the space of three days, you could have been knocked out of the Champions League and possibly knocked out of the mm. Premier League title. But race. Also, that's not won the FA Cup yet either. Let's still not forget this. It's not, yeah. it's not a guaranteed two trophies. It could. It no, could no, be no, nobody's saying it's going to. End of the uh, season uh, could be a League Cup for City. In uh, which case, Alex, look at look at the look at the first letter of the team we're playing in an FA Cup final. We do not have a good history in FA Cup finals against teams beginning with the letter W in recent <laughs> times. So I think we're all quite aware of that. And we're just going to go out and take each each day yeah. as it comes. And to be honest. That was a really, it was a really nervous atmosphere. And it you could tell by the start with that John Stones pass. Oh, it God, was, yeah. there, wasn't, there were nerves there. But I mean, if you're going to score a goal to settle the nerves, why not do it as soon as you can? I mean, why not score as soon as you can anyway, obviously. But to do it in five minutes really yeah. did sort of I mean, I'll, I'll have, calm to, I'll the have to look at the down. stats and see this, but this is something that we've done a lot of recently as well. It's like we've scored in the first, between the first minute and the first 20 minutes, we've got a goal and then we've just held on. I don't know if this is a deliberate tactical manoeuvre to, to, to do that, to try and make it work. But what an emotional moment for Phil Foden to score. What a great reaction he got from the fans. Uh, he played all the way through the game to like the 84th minute when they brought David Silver on. And a lot of people have been mm -hmm. saying he looks like a really good like yeah. replacement for Silver, which is some praise. It was emotional for me because I got Aguero as my captain because he plays <laughs> twice this week. I was going, Eddie, you what's going What are you doing? <laughs> Wait, yeah, it's only three points, not five. Here's a question, because uh, I saw the goal and I saw about the next five minutes and then I had to go out... Who, um, Stones, who was the other centre-half? Laporte. 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 Yeah. He plays nearly every week, doesn't he? He played midweek yeah. too. Were they good? Did they handle Tottenham better than they did on the Wednesday? So, you know what? The thing was, I in some ways, I think we were lucky because Son got through a couple of times. Moore had a great chance as well. Edison yeah. was outstanding. Made some really crucial yeah. saves. L Laporte. Like, made up some... I don't know how he made up that ground on Son. So Son had a few chances, um, and Lucas Moura had a chance as well. You know what Spurs like to do. They like to make runs in behind, and they were basically beaming down on the Manchester City penalty area, and Son had a couple of chances in which we sent Edison came out nicely for a couple of one-on-one -on -one saves. But there was one moment where Son picked up the ball brilliantly. He kind of flicked it round the corner on the turn and ran straight after it. It was in about the centre circle and he just kept going. And you know Son, head down, almost roadrunner-like. He just keeps going and keeps going. And Laporte came across and made this unbelievable slide in block and he had to time it so perfectly because yeah, it was in and the area by the time he got there and it was absolutely brilliant so fair play to Laporte he did play exceptionally well I thought but the way Tottenham played was very much soak up soak up soak up hit on the break and that was the way Leicester outdid us in that first season with Pep when he came in as well and other teams have got that against us and obviously Tottenham having success the other night, they were quite happy to play that away and get that. And what was interesting as well was I didn't see Pochettino, considering we were sat just behind him, I didn't see him until the last 10 minutes of the game, whereas Pep was practically on the pitch at two or three points as well. Did uh, did Guardiola get it wrong midweek playing company then in that case? Because they conceded three goals. I know no. Edison was at fault for one of them. No, not for me. Company's, company understands the game. I mean, it's like... Centre-halves, when they've got experience, they can play well into their mid-30s, I think, personally. I mean, you see, I mean, you look at the likes of John Terry, who played for till he was mid-30s, and then he was kind of being phased out towards the end by Chelsea. Kind of feels like that's what's happening with company, but 
I still, if I was a Chelsea fan, wouldn't have any qualms with them throwing John Terry in there in a big game. Obviously, he's not there now, but back. back I'm sure he'll probably still turn up in a full kit whenever they pick up a trophy. But I mean, for me, Company is an outstanding footballer, and I think he's a proper leader. And I think that is what you need in the bigger games. You need a real leader. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him play on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, he's a leader. He's a, he's a monster of a man and a defender. Well, it'd be and an easy he, game, he understands the club, doesn't he? I mean, I don't think that was a mistake by Pep. I think it really shows Pep's faith and trust in Phil Foden to start him against Spurs, though, at the weekend. Because there's a lot of people that have said, oh, he doesn't trust him. Phil Foden signed a contract to sit on the bench for the next six years. Well, that's just complete mm. rubbish. Because he's come on, and like, like you said, he's scored in every competition this season. It's a massive moment for him. He just needs to... I don't. I know nobody can can control how fast they grow, but I think if he can get in the gym, eat a lot of protein this summer, and put on a bit of weight, he could be a real, real useful asset for City in the future. But even having said that, in the game yesterday, there was a couple of times when. No, sorry, not yesterday on Saturday. A couple of times when he got, he took a knock, he took a knock, and he got straight up. He didn't seem to be injured by it, bothered it. And actually, especially when you see the likes of Salah getting all those penalties, it's not necessarily a bad thing to be quite slightly built in the area at the minute. Yeah, I suppose you could say that. But I think I think back to players like Michael Owen, who was playing every game week in week out from like the age of what seventeen, eighteen, 17, and then yeah. by the time he was twenty-seven, his body was battered and broken, and he wasn't really the same player that he was. He came back from Madrid, went to Newcastle, mm. and then. He was poor after that, wasn't he? I mean, he, he was, had a stint he was not at United, he was slow. And it's just like maybe playing all of those games when he was 18, 19, 20 took a toll on him later on in his career because he did play every game, Michael Owen, and he was getting kicked. And maybe Pep is just looking after Foden because you can tell by looking at him, he's a slight character. He's still got a lot of growing to do. He's got to fill out. He's going to be more physical in the next few years. Maybe that's just Pep's way of managing him and protecting him. I don't but know. We'll see if, over time. Yeah, it could be. Could be, but if you think where he is in the pecking order and those other players in, in similar positions are the same positions, he's got five or six other options. He's not mm. like a... De Bruyne picked up an injury again, though. Well, you got De, who have you got in there? Gundogan? Uh, De Bruyne? Gundogan maybe Bernardo, off as well yeah. in the summer. Silva? So. What, is he fourth choice then, Foden? Is he st- Possibly. Is he Fernand- F- yeah, Fernandinho, he's behind Fernandinho yeah. in the pecking order. You look at comparing to McTominay. McTominay's a couple of years older, but um, has only just broken through. I could see Mac Tomlin playing every yeah, game. But there's now. no decent players in midfield at United. Well, at the that's minute. exactly the point I was making. Thanks for picking he's up learning. on it. He's but learning, that's what I'm he? saying. He's, he's, he's learning off the best players you can learn off at Manchester City in the league, anyway. In my opinion, I mean, there's some of the best best footballers that, the, that we've got yeah. in the country and, in the Premier League right now. We went to the press conference afterwards, and the way that Pep talked about Foden there, he was asked a couple <laughs> of times, and. He, he could have been talking about Messi. He wasn't going overboard, <laughs> but just his, his reaction, you can see he's very fond of him and he, he, he's a big believer in him and that's why he's in and he's there and he's proven on more than one occasion that he's there on merit. Do you know what will be interesting? Come the summer, um, he'll have money to spend Guardiola if he wants someone because he's always got money to spend hmm. to see who he buys, to see where he strengthens and see if Foden is promoted up. Or if he buys another couple of midfielders. Son Heung-min, I reckon. <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> that's your tip, is it? Yeah. He wouldn't put his centre mid, though, would he? Yeah. Son, <laughs> son. McGinley's tips for the week. <laughs> yeah. Son to uh, to Manchester. Uh, so that that was City. And of course, a big game coming up on Wednesday night. It is the derby. And we'll be uh, building up to that here. Getting very excited about that game. And of course, that Thursday show, the day after, there'll be a period of mourning here with the full-time Devils. Do you know what? That could be the end of the league for City. So it would be morning for the full-time Devils because, of course, we'll be going, we've given Liverpool the league. Fantastic. <laughs>
<laughs> well, then that means, from your point of view, is either you give Liverpool the league or you're knocked out of your qualifying for Europe, potentially. I, I think that's becoming a more and more of a pipe dream. I just don't see... I said it on Wednesday when I was on the, the Wednesday show. I just don't see where the next good United performance is coming from. Where is it coming from? Nobody knows. I'll tell you one thing that I do know is that earlier today we spoke to uh, the, the press officer, George, from Kick It Out, and uh, we were chatting to him, weren't we? But you started asking the questions, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, George. But basically, I, I was a little bit confused as to what uh, Kick It Out actually did, so I just I asked him if he could clear up what, what it was. Absolutely. So, I mean, first things first, I should probably say that we're not just an organisation that tackles racism. We tackle all forms of discrimination. We started off uh, 25 years ago now. It's our 25th anniversary um, tackling racism and then about four or five years later expanded to be all forms of discrimination. So, essentially, we are football's primary equality and inclusion organisation and our work really covers a variety of the game from grassroots right the way through to the professional game. So, we um, we deliver education into schools, into academies, into first team squads. From our point of view in Manchester, Ashley Young was racially abused on Twitter after the Barcelona game. Any incidents that happen on social media too, um, you know, can be reported to us. Either report them directly to the platform, we can offer support to the player, uh, liaise with the club. So it's not just incidents that happen on the pitch. You know, if you're going to the stadium, if you're going to watch a game and you hear discriminatory chanting on the tube or on the, on the train, wherever, wherever you might be, you can report that to us and then we can take that up. If it's on the, you know, if it's on public transport, for instance, something will raise with the police or the transport police. If it's happening on a pitch, that's more likely to be something we're raising with the club or the FA. You don't have any power, it seems, to like implement bans, for instance, as kick it out. That's not what you do. It's a really good question because it's very important to clarify this and we, 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 you know, we do our utmost to make people aware because I think sometimes people get a bit confused, you know, if, uh, if they're not happy with the length of a ban or if something, you know, an incident takes place and someone's not punished for it, people go, oh, well, what are you doing about this kick out? And it's like, we are not an investigative body. We don't have the power to investigate, to sanction. Our kind of key role there just to, to, to raise awareness of these issues, to try and ensure an outcome is achieved but we ourselves don't have the power to start kind of walking in there and saying, right, this is going to be the ban, this is what's going to happen next. Raheem Sterling and everything that he's done this season, it's brought a lot of attention to what's happened to him, but also the way that he's dealt with it. What Sterling did uh, in December, which was, uh, you know, a very brave of him and a very important moment, I think, in um, in this season and in you know and in modern football as a whole, is that he drew attention to it in a way that that very few players um, have had a chance to do. You know, I, I, I don't think we, you know, you obviously saw the PFA uh, campaign. You may have seen that on uh, Friday to Saturday. You know, the 24-hour. Uh, boycott, I'm not sure that we would have seen that happen had Sterling not started this process of players speaking out more bluntly about the situation that they're facing. And I could probably do with doing a 24-hour Twitty ban, because I'm still not... I even didn't say it right then, the Tweety ban. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that that happened this this weekend over the bank holiday. Although the thing is, I do wonder if it's symbolic more than anything, because I don't think 24 hours is going to make a difference. No, I think think it's just one of those protests to just show you know these are really really huge world popular figures aren't they where 
you know, they'll get 50,000 likes and 100,000 likes if they, you know, just put a picture of them, they've, they've mm. scored a goal. Um, so I think it, I think it'll have an impact. I think they're trying to show Twitter and Facebook and the other companies, look, you need to get on top of this because without us, you lose a lot of traffic. Anyway, thank you very much to George from Kick It Out. And speaking of Manchester City, we'll be talking about me having a little chat with Pep Guardiola for the first time after the break. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Hello, welcome to the Manchester Football Social. Thanks for listening. I'm Ant McGinley, City fan. Alex Boardman is a United fan and he's mid-drink, so I'll just give him a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Well, this uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened over the weekend. City uh, got some revenge over Tottenham 1-0. Uh, they're still second in the league, though. Tot- uh, Liverpool were top by two points, but City have got a game in hand. Yes. That game in hand will come Wednesday against Manchester United, who were utterly shambolic yesterday. It was embarrassing. They got beat 4-0. Beat is not even the word for it. 4-0 by Everton. Yeah, whatever um, happens, it's going to be a hell of a night on Wednesday, isn't it? It was awful. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, you're, you're looking already, you're saying it's awful ahead of time. I'm talking about I, Wednesday I just now. don't see, from what from from the Wolves game, from two Wolves games away, from Arsenal away was not a terrible performance, I suppose. Uh, the Barcelona away and, and Everton away. How are you? I don't see United even turning up. I think the the best United could hope for is is a draw on Wednesday. Well, and it shames me to say it, and I want to win, but they're just abysmal. Too many of those players are just rubbish. Well, as we said before, going off the scores on the Manchester Evening News, I don't think half of them did turn up. No, they didn't. <laughs> they, they really did not turn up. No. So um, make well, some changes, Ole. Send out a message to some of those so-called stars. Uh, so, while you can hear that Alex has had a particularly tough weekend in terms of football, I had an amazing weekend. So, uh, myself and I went along to City, we already mentioned that, we went to uh, City versus Spurs, and we went in the in a press capacity, so an official capacity, a bit like you did at United a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So, we got to do this, and it was Niall's first trip to the Etihad. I know, yeah. new one off the list for me. Really? I got yeah. to 58 or 59 of the 92 grounds. Brilliant. So, I'm yeah. doing well. I'm getting there. Creeping closer. Yeah. And, well, I, I I can beat that. I I saw Mark Lawrence and <laughs> <laughs> <Bob> to run. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was great. We walked in and I'd really made the effort with a suit. And Mark Lawrence looked at me as I walked in and he went, "You're right. You know that block thing you do. We just yeah. nod at someone." So that was great. Anyway, so we did the game. It wasn't because we you there. were staring at him no. for about <laughs> no, ten seconds. A, no, a, true story. True story. We're in there. Sean Gota comes in. I gave Sean Gota the Wi-Fi code. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, there you go. And we just, we had a chat about Wi-Fi. I was trying to play it cool like I wasn't a fan. However, I couldn't really keep that cool later in the day because after the game, we got to sit in at the post-match press conference. And I'm sat with Niall. And obviously, Niall is the qualified sports journalist <laughs> yeah, yeah. here. I'm not at all. And I'm like, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask a question. Why did you not let Niall do it? Because <laughs> he was too nervous. Or at least I thought that. But then I got a little bit nervous as well. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask. Because right at the end of the first half, Kevin De Bruyne uh, had a little bit of a... Mm, and everybody felt that in the stadium because he's had a horrible season. Mm. He, he's, he's only got a, a, maybe six starts in this season. I think he's played four... I think he's missed 47% wow. of Manchester City's season. Yeah. What um, happened impact injury? Well, so, no, he, 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 t- he took a shot from the edge of the box and it looked like he went over on his ankle. ankle. And then yeah. he's clutching his left leg and... 
He was kicked the ball yeah, out. There he? was a strange moment where he kicked the ball out, and we were all looking around, thinking, "Who's down on the ground? Who's injured?" And, and then he collapsed right, to the ground. So he kind of kicked the ball out to to get himself some treatment, which you know caused a few groans around the Etihad as it, as it would. But mm. I mean, Pep Guardiola, not the first time he's seen. So we're in the we're in the press conference. Sky News are there, the BBC's there, everybody's there. The big newspapers, and nobody's asked about Kevin. And I'm like, I, I actually want to know about Kevin. Kevin. Do you mean right? De Bruyne? De Bruyne, right? Kevin, you don't know him. <laughs> Because you gave Sean Gosher a Wi-Fi call. <laughs> so, so this is the moment when I speak to Pep. But before I do that, um, I, I think in my head, what am I going to say? So I think, all right. So I think, oh, okay. Hi, Pep. It's Sam McGinley from XS Manchester. Uh, we're all a little bit worried about what happened to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, have you got any initial reports from the doctors or assessments? Is he likely to be out for the rest of the season? Is it a repeat of the ligament injuries he's had. That's a long question, well, isn't it? That, yeah. To say not very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, the nerves kind of got the better of me. Here's what I actually said. Hi, Pep. Uh, Ant McGinley from XS Manchester. What's the initial on Kevin? Uh, I didn't speak with him. I didn't speak with the doctors. I think he's a muscular injury and I don't know how big is the impact on, on his injury and we'll see tomorrow, but I think the next game will be out. <laughs> the tiredness at the end of Guardiola's voice then all of 12 seconds it was so dismissive that when he was just like oh, I, think, I think he'll be out Who's it? that's not even a question you've asked someone whose first language is not English and you've said What's the initial on Kevin? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I would have loved if there was another journal in there called Kevin. He just turns out, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, mate. I'm all right. <laughs> or if you've got it already gone, K. K's the initial on Kevin. What's hey, the look, I, I don't care because now. Pep Guardiola has seen my face and knows my name, and, and I'm happy with that. He's probably banned you. After that, they probably straight off to the press officer and went, that, don't like that weirdo in again. Uh, so I want to talk about a couple of things that happened uh, yesterday. There was a thing happened, and also during the week. Did you see the thing with the Swedish midfielder? He was getting substituted, did the worst high-five ever, and the, the other player coming off high-fived him, oh, slipped yes. and stuck his finger in his eye. So he runs onto the pitch. I missed that. You missed this, yeah. I missed so it. He runs onto the pitch, holding his eye, and then stops, put his hand out, turns around. Technically, because the referee hadn't started the watch again, he played for zero seconds. Then yesterday, for, um, for so Bilio, he had to come back off. Yeah, he came back he came off. He'd been yeah. poked in the eye. He and couldn't he, see. He, he, yeah. And then Fabinho yesterday came on for Liverpool. His first action was to go up for a header, took a blow to the head, 10 seconds into his game, and didn't pass the uh, concussion assessment, so was taken off. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I thought I'd do one of my little quizzes and look around at like crazy substitutions that has happened and put you to the test. Are you up for that? We've got Go time. On, Go on. All right. So uh, it start with a local team. Uh, so City uh, were playing CSKA Moscow in the Champions League about five seasons ago. And after six minutes in the game, CSKA subbed off Vasily Berezutsky. He wasn't injured. Why did they take him off after six minutes into the game? Who wasn't injured? There was no injury. Did they sub on the wrong player? Did they? Did they accidentally substitute the wrong player? Uh, they. The manager. They put the. He's got uh, a twin brother. Wrong, yeah, wrong. no, no. He's got a twin brother, Alex, and he sent the wrong <laughs> twin on in the first. Place. Oh no! Unbelievable. Yeah, in a Champions League game. Wow. All right. Here's another one for you. So uh, Samuel Inkum, uh, the Ghanaian international, uh, was playing for Dnipro in the Ukrainian Premier League. While being substituted, he was sent off. What did he do? I'll give you a clue. He was already on a yellow card. Whilst being substituted. Yeah. 
take his shirt off and throw it to the ground? Bada bing. No! no it to, one, di- one. Didn't throw it to the ground. He took his shirt off because he was being substituted. Right. But he hadn't left the field of play. And by the letter of the Second, law, oh, he, so on, the referee man. sent him off. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. First twin brothers and now... Yeah, right. cards for That's that. That's my first ever point in a quiz. <laughs> We're level. I'm going to take my we, shirt off. <laughs> is this, we could be 100% on here. All right. Yeah. record. Last one for you here. All right, just so we've got time. Uh, in 1994, so going going back before you were born, probably now, uh, uh, <laughs> the, a player called Stephen Davis uh, came on in the 70, 71st minute of a pre-season game uh, scoring for West Ham. Apart from the fact that he never appeared for West Ham again, what was unusual about the substitution? The manager was Harry Redknapp. I know the answer to Alex. this. Alex? I know the oh, answer. Wait, Niall knows. Go well, on. Do, no, no, give no, you a chance then. Give you a chance. Uh, what was unusual about the substitution? Yeah, bear in mind, he never played for West Ham again and he only he, he only appeared in a pre-season friendly. Right, okay. Was he like a... a, a oh, is he not like one of the directors or something? Has he oh, not paid? So he, he, was, he was a fan yeah. who was giving Harry Redknapp chirp the whole time oh, he stood behind the dugout right. yeah. and he went, Harry, I could do a better job than these lot and he subbed him on and he actually scored a goal <laughs> during the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, but the, the, the sad thing is it was 94, so it was pre-social media, all those things, camera phones, and so there's actually no photo or video evidence of this, <sighs> but it happened. Can you imagine being him? I uh, I gave Rio Ferdinand jip one night and not realising it was, uh, I can't remember the game, we won 1-0, Van Persie scored and Ferdinand was sort of sat right there and somebody said something to me like, oh, why have we started such a body at centre-half? And I was like, well, Rio's past it. He's like really, really old now. He's a bit slow. He was a good player in his time. But And as I looked down, Ferdinand was sat right in front of me. He just turned around and stared at me. And I was like, uh, <laughs> sorry, Rio. <laughs> really panicked. Uh, so there's embarrassing but things. Imagine if I'd have got brought on. <laughs> That'd have been awesome. Would have been. Yeah. Good, well, it? to be honest, you probably would have done all right against Everton. And uh, wouldn't have done any worse. That's yeah. the only thing you got left to do now. You've done press. You've been the abusive fan. Yeah. Now all you need to do is play for United. Play for United. You're probably getting the team as well right at the moment. Uh, well, I, I could probably <laughs> run as far as Martial. <laughs> so uh, the next time we're on together, it will be after the derby, which is on Wednesday night. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No hope whatsoever. I don't think United have got which. A wounded animal is that its most dangerous, they say, but I think uh, the United wounded animal needs put into sleep. Ooh. Ooh, I'll be more than happy with 1-0 at this stage. You want to get beat 1-0? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the other way around. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. As I say, we'll do a bit more on the podcast. We'll do the whole of the interview we did with George from uh, Kick It Out. Thank you very much for coming on and talking to us. Uh, Alex Nile, thank you very much for joining us. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. I can't believe it's that. not butter. Me either. <laughs> All these years I've been having it and I get fooled every time. This feels like a new game show. Here we go. I feel like... Chicken tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you do the shake. <laughs> I've got Parkinson's disease. <laughs> I think I should step in here and say other products are available from other brands. Just no, if cover we, our backside. We, we don't yet have a podcast sponsor, so if anybody's interested, get in touch at MCR Footy Social. No, that's the first time in all the time we've been doing this show that we've done a quiz where you've got answers to all my questions. I know there's only a handful yeah. then. Niall but, nearly gets everyone right. It's the first guess, time honestly, I've ever got one right. The first one was a pure guess. Just thinking like a lookalike or a twin or a brother, and it was a twin. 
That second one was some effort though. Taking the shirt off would never. Have yeah, it's yeah. only one. Yeah, it's only one of the two things I could think of. The other <laughs> one was maybe swearing or something. I'm surprised you didn't bring the Jason Punch and thing. Remember when he went off because he needed to go for a poo? Do you not remember that? No. <laughs> you, you never heard about that? <laughs> no. I would say I would say Google it. <laughs> you well, can Google uh, it if you want. Do you not hear about that? No. Jason Punch a few years ago when right. he was playing for Crystal Palace. He, he got it. I don't think he got subbed off, but he left the field of play because he needed the toilet quite badly. Wow. wow. I know there's the famous Gary Lineker incident where yes. like yeah, mid game yeah. he. Uh, yeah, it was extreme heat, extreme fatigue. Yeah, possibly. And he'd not been well. Um, I've got one one question like this left. Do you just want to have a go at that one? See if you can just. <sighs> go on then. Oh, yeah, right. But this doesn't count officially. No, no, this is, this is just for fun. This is for like props. Um, so in April 1996, there was a game between Iceland and Estonia, and the substitution that took place has never been repeated ever again in any other professional football game. Now, I don't mean the same two players being substituted for each other. I mean... The equivalent. The, 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 there was a particular um, significance about the two players. Father and son. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give the points to you because Gunnar was pretty close because Good. it was Arna Gudjonsson, Good, which is, uh, I'm sure he'd probably be called Gunnar, and his uh, 17-year-old son, Ida, who went on to have quite a good career. Oh, yeah, he was Chelsea. great. Yeah. He was a great player. So that was it. So he... Could Niles face Niles legitimately gutted? Yeah. He got the question right. He <laughs> gave me the points. <laughs> I just thought I really liked Good Johnson. He was a great He's one player. of my favourite players. He was amazing at Bolton. He was wonderful, wonderful player. But it's the only time in a professional football game where a, f- a father has been substituted for their son. Really? I can't yeah. believe that's not happened at all. There's been lots of, and... lots of brothers. Lots of brothers that this happened. Mm. Anyway, that's that's that. The quiz is done. Uh, Niall is victorious once again, but yeah. well done to you for for maximum points. And uh, shall we shall we go on to the the conversation we had? We played a little bit out on the show, so uh, we spoke to get, uh, to George for about ten minutes, really, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, he was a really a really interesting fella, and I I confess I was a little ignorant as to what kick it out do, um, and I'd seen him on Twitter. It was after the Ashley Young incident. Um, he'd been racially abused uh, on Twitter after the Barcelona game. Sterling's been in the news all year with the way he's reacted. Um, and I just I, I contacted him via Twitter and I thought, could you tell us a bit more, really? And he, and he did. He. And what, what was good for me with this was just the, the clarification on a few points about the kind of things that they cover and also the fact that they've got like an app that you can have and the times at which you can use that. And it's at every level of football. But anyway, we got him on, so I didn't have to talk yeah, about yeah. it. Enough is enough. From us and also with regards to the the racism, that's pretty much the message uh, from this weekend, isn't it? Hi, I'm George Starkey Midder. I am media and communications officer at Kick It Out. Could you explain to us? Because I think we've got everyone who watches football's got a vague notion of Kick It Out, but what exactly is it, and what do you do, and what are you for? Absolutely. So, I mean, first things first, I should probably say that we're not just an organisation that tackles racism. We tackle all forms of discrimination. We started off uh, 25 years ago now. It's our 25th anniversary um, tackling racism and then about four or five years later expanded to be all forms of discrimination. So, essentially, we are football's uh, primary uh, uh, equality and inclusion organisation and our work um, really covers a, a variety of the game, where, uh, you know, from grassroots right the way through to the professional game so we um, we deliver education uh, into schools into academies into first team squads 
We also uh, work very closely uh, with fans. We have a, a campaign called the Fans for Diversity campaign, which we run in partnership with the Football Supporters Federation. So to promote um, the creation of LGBT supporters groups or, you know, it might be uh, uh, an Asian supporters group or something like that. So we, we help support them with uh, funding or logistical support. Uh, we also do a lot of grassroots work. So, again, we have a grassroots activity fund that grassroots clubs can apply for if they're, gonna, they're wanting to run an initiative or an event that might promote inclusion in football. Um, and another sort of key part of our role is actually as a reporting bureau. So if, uh, if you're ever at a football match, whether that's from Sunday League right the way through to the professional game, again, you can report any incident of discrimination um, that, that you hear or happens to you to us, and then we'll raise it with the relevant authorities, whether that's the club, the county FA, the FA, um, or the police. Uh, and, you know, I mean, that's sort of what we do in a, in a nutshell. Um, but obviously, um, you know, because we are, uh, our work is so extensive, it's, it's not easy just to sum it up in, in, in a minute mm. there. But that, that's pretty much the be all and end all. And then the, um, Obviously, as well, we're, we're constantly campaigning for various issues, um, you know, around discrimination, whether that's tackling, you know, the high-profile incidents of racism in the game, whether that's, you know, BAME managers, whether that's, you know, trying to make the game more inclusive for the LGBT community, ensure better access to stadiums for disabled supporters. You know, it, it really, it really is sort of a, a very broad uh, range of work that we do. Right, and then, because. Um, from our point of view in Manchester, it recently, in the, in the very last week actually, Ashley Young was racially abused on Twitter mm-hmm. after the Barcelona mm-hmm. game. That was, I think that was Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. But um, is, is that something you yeah. can cover? Because that's technically is not on the football pitch. So do you cover like all aspects of a football or is it just while they run onto the pitch and come off it? No, no. So that's a very, uh, very good point. So we also, uh, you know, any incidents that happen on social media too, um, you know, can be reported to us. Uh, so we, we do, you know, we do, you know, either report them directly to the platform. We can offer support to the player, uh, liaise with the club. So, so it's not just incidents that happen on the pitch. You know, where, where even if it's, uh, you know, if you're going to the stadium, if you're going to watch a game and you hear discriminatory chanting on the tube or on the on the train, wherever wherever you might be um you know you can report that to us and then we can take that up if it's on the you know if it's on public transport for instance it will be covered by you know something we'll raise with the police or the transport police if it's happening on a pitch that's more likely to be something we're raising with the club or the fa so so you don't actually have any because this is where i was confused you don't have any power it seems to like implement bans for instance as as your as kick it out that you can't go and say right we're gonna dock points from i don't know chelsea or arsenal or tottenham though all recent high profile racist chance that's not what you do no, no, exactly, and that's a, it's a really good question because it's very important to clarify this, and we 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 you know we do our utmost to make people aware because I think sometimes people get a bit confused. You know, if uh, if they're not happy with the length of a ban or if something, you know, an incident takes place and someone's not punished for it, people go, "Oh, well, what are you doing about this kick out?" And it's so like we are not an investigative body; we don't have the power to investigate to sanction. What we do is we are, you know, we are a go-between. So if uh, if someone has suffered. Uh, uh, that abuse, we will make sure that the relevant authorities, like I said, if it's on the pitch, it'll likely be the FA. If it's in, if it's in public, it'll likely be the police. Um, we'll liaise with the clubs and we'll also offer support to the victim through the process. 
so so that's our kind of key role there just to to ins- to raise awareness of these issues to try and ensure an outcome is achieved but we ourselves don't have the power to start kind of walking in there and saying right this is going to be the ban this is what's going to happen next the other thing that we also um um work hard on is um is trying to uh, offer education to, to in some situations where where education is um is appropriate uh, so you know it may be that there is a supporter who has committed discriminatory abuse but um, perhaps wasn't really aware of 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 the, the, the true nature of what they were saying or perhaps show a lot of remorse and, and perhaps sometimes there'll be a, a reduction in the ban that the club might give them if they then agree to also go on a, uh, got, you know, take part in education sessions w- with us. So is there a, like a best practice that you have if, if you have the power? Because there's an argument to say that obviously, you know, uh, everybody knows that if certain things happen, you're likely to get banned from the ground. But that's that may protect the players and the other people in the stadium, but then that person isn't necessarily going to be aware of why what they did was wrong or offensive or upset other people. And so is, is there an approach from you as an organisation, an advisory role to say this, rather than just banning people, this is what we should be doing? Well, I mean, we, we, we are a, a very big advocate at Kick It Out of education because, as you just said, it, you know, you can ban people, you can get them out of the stadiums, but in effect, you're then just handing over the problem to society because that person will just go and be racist or homophobic or sexist in the pub. So I think we, we are always advocates of education, but you do have to take it on a, on a case-by-case basis because the, the person involved, they have, to be, they have to want to be educated too. You know, we, at the end of the day, you can't put some in a room and, and, and force education upon them if they're not willing to learn, if they're not remorseful for, for what they've done, if they don't want to understand. So that's important too. I think there are also some cases where, where the abuse is so, you know, is so outrageous and is so further than the line that, uh, over the line that, that education perhaps isn't quite appropriate at that point, you know, because there, there are some, you know, there's some language, there's some behavior that, that people actually do know is, is discriminatory and, and is abusive, but perhaps they just don't care. And that's just their, you know, that, that's their belief. And, and there are some times where you might have to say, well, this person has no interested, has no interest in being educated. It won't have any impact. So, so the, the sanction side of things is more important. So you do have to be quite flexible on that. But we are, you know, where possible, we would always try and advocate um, some form of education. And do you think that there's there's more incidents than the, there have been previously? Because it kind of feels like to us as as pundits, and we watch the games and we talk about them and we, we speak to the different fans. And obviously, you know, as a Man City fan. You know, a huge respect, and a lot of people from other clubs as well have for Raheem Sterling and everything that he's done this season. So it's brought a lot of attention to what's mm. happened to him, but also the way that he's dealt with it. So I suppose it's two questions, mm. really. Do you think that that there has been a rise, possibly with social media, and also mm. um, what as as Raheem Sterling um, done a lot for the cause? I guess. Mm. Yeah. No. I mean, I, so I think. Um, on on those two di- two different points, I think because there's been certainly been a lot of te- attention in the media this season. You know, I've been at Kick It Out for sort of getting on three and a half years now, and it's certainly been you know since Sterling back in December, it has been the kind of biggest media focus over an extended period of time that I have seen. But that, that that's not to say that there necessarily has been a huge 
spike in, in incidents, if I'm honest. I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that discrimination and these incidents had never really gone away. I mean, I think if you look at, you know, you have to look at society in the last few years and acknowledge that in this country and across Europe, there is a rise in kind of uh, divisive, um, divisive uh, uh, politics, divisive, um, you know, feelings in society, whether it's about leaving the EU or whether it's about, um, you know, uh, minority groups, whatever it might be, there's a lot of um, rising hatred in society too. So we do think that perhaps there has been uh, an, an increase in some of the incidents, but at the same time, it's clear that everyone is a lot more aware of it. And, and as you very rightly um, pointed out, um, what Sterling did uh, in December, which was, uh, you know, a very brave of him and a, a very important moment, I think, in, um, in in this season and in, you know, and in modern football as a whole, is that he drew attention to it in a way that, that very few players um, have had a chance to do. You know, I, I, I don't think, we, you know, you obviously saw the PFA uh, campaign. You may have seen that on uh, Friday to Saturday, you know, the 24-hour uh, boycott. I'm yeah. not sure that we would have seen uh, seen that happen had Sterling not kind of um, started this process of players speaking out more more um, more sort of bluntly about the situation that they're facing. So I think it is a mixture. I do think over the last few years there has been, um, you know, there's a rising hatred, rising intolerance in our society. But at the same time, I think there are some people who like to imagine that five years ago we were in this kind of uh, post-racist society where we everyone you know held hands and was friends and and, and nothing, there weren't problems but if you speak to the the minority groups who who were suffering these problems whether it's the lgbt community whether it's black people asian people jewish people muslim people i think they would tell you that these incidents ha- have never really gone away and so that's why it's it's very important that we are talking about um you know talking about the problem more often and talking about how we can actually achieve lasting change here so that we can rid this you know from our game brilliant the um the mantra the sort of phrase that I, I came up with the the whole ban on social media was enough is enough it feels like that's a really good sentiment to end on enough is enough i think most people that support football go to yeah. football are involved in football in any way it's just something i think most right-minded people just can't stomach it's just mm. enough is enough mm. so george yeah. if somebody wants to contact you maybe any of the issues that we've raised or if they see something at a game or they're unhappy about the way they've been treated what's the best way to get in touch with with your institution uh well i mean i'm really glad you asked that because that's one thing i wanted to end on is you know i think obviously kick out we do everything we can to tackle discrimination in football but we are only a charity with you know we've now got 17 staff we only had 11 three years ago we are doing our utmost to tackle the problem but we can't do it alone this is not just kick out's responsibility this is not just the players responsibilities not just the you know the club this is everyone in football so if you are at a game if you are at um you know whether, like i said whether it's grassroots or a professional game or or see something on social media getting contact with kick out if you see any discrimination you can do that we have a reporting form on our website we also have a kick out app which you can download on android or iphone um, we have a free phone number that you can call you can email info at kickout.org so there are so many different ways that you can get in touch um, and and we you know we need people to be out there reporting because 
the part of the problem is, is you know, we see incidents happen. We get all these incidents reported to us every year, but we know it's just the tip of the iceberg. We know it's happening um, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis throughout the country, and we need everyone to do their bit. And so, like, as you said, enough is enough. We can't stand for this anymore, but you need to report it if you hear it or see it. So get in touch with us that way. Um, you know, you can uh, find me on Twitter if you're interested in uh, discussing any of these issues. Um, it, you know, even further, I'm at G Starkey Midder. Uh, but, you know, really, we want as many people as possible engaging with us and, you know, and telling us, you know, how they want to get involved. And, and, and that's the best way we can, we can move forward. George, thanks very much for your time and thank you for all the work that you do as well. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.